You're listening to Shine On, a podcast presented by Solar Power Europe, the European Association for Solar Power. Join us as we shine a light on the latest developments in the solar sector. Hello and welcome to Shine On, a podcast presented by Solar Power Europe. I'm your host, Lucas Clark Memler, and in this new series, Solar Success in Africa, I will discuss inspiring solar projects from across the continent with a range of guests. This series has been developed in cooperation with Get Invest, a European program that aims at mobilizing investments in decentralized renewable energy projects supported by the EU, Germany, Sweden, the Netherlands, and Austria. In this episode, I have the pleasure of talking with Arnaud de Vrumen, co-founder and CEO of SolarWorks. So thank you for being here today, Arnaud. Thanks for having me. And can I first ask where you're calling in from? Uh, from Spain. Yeah, makes no sense, but that's where I ended up. I married a Spanish lady. <laughs> I see. Oh, that, that sounds nice. And is the uh, weather in Spain uh, decent today? Uh, yes, yeah. So here you, you can be quite sure that until October, November, the weather is, is fine. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I bet. Lots of sun, I'm sure. So why don't we just jump right into you introducing yourself to our listeners? And why don't you first tell us a little bit about your experience in Africa? Because I know that you've been uh, working in Africa for a decade now. So maybe a, a short history of your time that could be interesting. Yeah, so o- over a decade in SolarWorks, but but I've been actually involved in all kinds of things in Africa since I think just after I graduated, so 95, 96. But with SolarWorks, it has been yeah, just over 10 years now. So I really wanted to do something with a product or a service that, that would not only be interesting for the consumer, but actually really add something for a life, a person, a consumer. And to cut a long story short, after uh, many ideas, we decided that there was a big opportunity because of the, the developments in LED lighting, that that actually made it possible to have sufficient light for somebody that had, does not have electricity run on a battery and that battery in turn you could charge with solar so i met bernard the the co-founder who was the engineer of the two of us i was more a commercial kind of person i would say and from there we basically started the first year was really developing developing again developing we wanted to do a, a proper job so we used a lot of knowledge in from the university in the netherlands and from there, at some stage, you make the jump, right? So, so in 2009, I basically moved to South Africa and with a prototype in my hand, started, uh, started selling, which, which, yeah, which went quite well, actually, in the beginning. Yeah, that, that sounds like an exciting experience there. And certainly you do have a lot of experience in Africa. Because of that particular experience and, and all the time you've spent there, you can maybe speak a little bit more specifically about why you chose Mozambique and Malawi for SolarWorks and whether there was something particular in the regulatory framework or was it something about the energy mix that you saw mm. an opportunity there? So we started in 2009, 2010 with you know, what is now called like a Pico product, right? So like a small light that could also f- charge a phone, a very small solar panel that, you, that we would sell to retailers all over Southern Africa. Based in Johannesburg, we sold in 10 or 11 countries all, all around, whatever we could reach over roads, really. And, you know, 
again, to cut a long story short, it went really well in the first few years. And then we had what we thought was a, a big breakthrough. We, we, we had branched into slightly bigger systems, so several lights for uh, for low-cost housing projects and and something fell through. So we had a really tough time and we, we understood also we were too dependent on a couple of really big clients. And in, in those years, the, the, the pay-as-you-go model, so you know, spreading payments instead of offering a product that is too expensive to purchase in, in one go was coming up. So we decided to give that a try, well, even though we, we were a little bit risk-averse at that stage. We had some tough times. But the question was, okay, how are we going to do that? We believe in the model after studying it thoroughly. How, how are we going to do it? And, and the conclusion was you know, to take very good care of default risk and to start really in one country only that you know well. And for whatever reason, we had quite some good contacts and sales in, in the past years and before we went really to that Pago model in Mozambique. And there was nobody there yet. We felt we, we had an advantage because we had experience there. And basically started because of that. You know, yes, the regulatory framework might not have been the best in Southern Africa. But look, you know, at some stage you believe it can work. You're the first mover on the market. And that felt for us the right time to do it. Absolutely. And I, I mean, you, you mentioned the uh, sort of fear that some people have when approaching solar in Africa. And I think there's just sort of this general sense of the difficulties and the red tape and the, the regulatory problems. So I'm wondering if you can maybe discuss some of the problems that you've had and talk about how you overcame them. Yeah, look, yeah, it's not easy, uh, especially in Mozambique, for example, the, the, the there's 30 million people living in Mozambique, but in a, in a vast country. You know, it's very, very, very big country. So a low density. Uh, yes, the, the the time it takes to sit to get certain documents in place, it all takes very long. Uh, I'm afraid I, I do not have a real toolkit for you, Lucas. But I, I, the only thing I can say is like you, you just cannot give up. You know, you, you just have to go mm. through it. And I must also say it, it gets easier. You know, you, you find your way. And when we went to Malawi after Mozambique, it, it, we had already learned so much on, on how to deal with certain things. Look, you have to do it properly, maybe triple check, have a plan A, B, C, and D. But in the end, I, I guess I got used to it. I don't see that, even though it was very tough, as such of a, so much of a problem anymore. It's just something that is part of the deal. And maybe more specifically, we can talk about the financing component, because, yeah. again, I think there's sort of a image that, that people have that, you know, accessing financing for an African solar project is so difficult. So maybe you can talk about, you know, instruments or, or, or places that you were able to call on for support in, in this regard. Yeah. No, look, I mean, it, it was definitely uh, not easy to get equity in or debt, but I don't think it is particularly easy anywhere in the world to, if you have an idea and you, you, you're looking for investments. Mm, yeah. But, but it, and also that I think is the same in, in the whole world. In the beginning, it's, it's tougher than when you, you know, when you already uh, have something going on, right? Investors like to jump on a running train in the end. So, in the beginning, we worked with people that were, you know, had appetite for risk, believed in, I guess, the team, the approach. 
but you're talking about smaller impact investors from Europe, I must say. But you're talking about investments of per impact investor, maybe until half a million. If you stretch it, maybe a million. And so you can get your first, you get get the train running, right? And then and then find an investor that, that is more interested in, in the scale up. And it's really tough, you know, but I have seen it change. It has changed over over the past few years that 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 the success of that pay-as-you-go model that's now active uh, really attracted a lot of investment. But yeah, I think the, the one thing that we we did many things wrong, right? like, like it's like you fall over, you stand up again. But I think in, with our investors, we we have done really well. We've you know we we, we made sure it were, they were people that fitted us in terms of personality and had a long-term view. And and those are more present now than there were, at least for us, maybe than five to 10 years ago. So always tough, but it, it has really gotten better, I think. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, we've talked about the sort of the details and some of the challenges, and I think we can pivot now to talk about the impact of the project because Again, the series is trying to sort of shine a light on the positive impact that that these solar projects can have in Africa. So, I mean, maybe we can start with just a very general question. In what ways do you feel that SolarWorks is improving the lives of people in the region? Yeah, look, I think number one, I mean, I cannot repeat it enough. The moment that you offer what for them, for this family that you sell a small solar home system to switch on the light. That is, in the end, still the most exciting moment. And I think for most of the people that work for us, the reason why they do it. Imagine a family that has never had access to electricity or something that looks like it, nor their parents or their grandparents or probably anybody probably in their genera- in their family history, and then suddenly it's there. And for some of them, even a television. And that is just absolutely amazing. And then there's, of course, the... You know, uh, lung diseases or respiratory d- diseases in Africa are still one of the main reasons for children to be sick. You know, they don't need to use candles anymore. And they don't need to use petrol-based, fuel-based uh, lighting anymore. So those are massive impacts. Secondly, I, at least what I really enjoy, uh, apart from environmental things and, and, and people just having lights so that children can study and all of that, is employment. You know, we employ hundreds of people now directly and indirectly and that's absolutely but at least for me really fantastic to see definitely and speaking of employment i know that you aim for a 50 50 gender mix with employees and uh, maybe you can talk about sort of why gender equality is important to the business and also if you've had any challenges fulfilling that vision yeah the challenges are definitely there but but 50 50 is like the minimum for for for, for me <laughs> it's mm-hmm. at 42, 43 now percent women, but you know the the and it, I mean this might sound strange, but we I looked up the other day of the first employees in Mozambique at least. I think of the first ten or twenty or whatever the ones that are still around, almost all of them, and most of them are women that are still around. And if mm. you look at our sales force, usually the women come out top. You know, they're the best salespeople. So that that's a good reason, I think, to, to look at your uh, your gender policy, so to say, right? But the other thing is, you know, as a company, I think you, you want to be a reflection of society. 
And there's no doubt about it that anywhere in the world, around 50% of the people are women, right? So we want, want to, to be a reflection of society as well. What is a challenge? And we have, you know, we've recently taken up this as a really one of the top priority is if, if we sent out a vacancy to either a recruiter or a LinkedIn or whatever, I think nine out of 10 of the applications we get are all from men. And that mm-hmm. is just fascinating because it's not that, for example, if it's a role that can be done from anybody that comes from university where we know it's a 50-50, if not even more than 50% women at university. Why is it that we only receive applications from men? So we're now putting a real effort in to make clear to anybody in the company, but also outside at university, that we specifically want applications for, or we, I think we say something like, we specifically encourage women to apply for this. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. almost is even internally, at least this is what I understand from our people, is that a lot of women apparently think like, ah, oh, they will never hire me. That's all for the men. So that, that's really something that we want to change and are changing. Mm. And so you think it has to do with the perception that solar is a male-dominated field or is it just sort of engineering in general? Yeah, I think... Well, definitely in the technical space. I mean, so I looked at all the departments just uh, in, in mm-hmm. the same project that is run, of course, by, by women. And uh, I guess I'm, I'm just making sure it happens. In the technical department, we have zero women. Zero. Which is wow. absolutely okay. ridiculous. In the call center, it is 50-50. We had another department also related to the call center. It was the other way around. Hardly any men. So there's definitely something going on like men and women feel that they're more suitable or, I don't know, more inclined to apply for certain jobs. But I think it's absolutely ridiculous to say that women cannot be an installer or uh, a technician in our company. So that just has to change. And it's not going to change if you don't put some some clear rules into place. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and I think it's great that you're challenging some of those social norms and, and encouraging them to apply, and I think the fact that you've so you've sort of formalized that fifty fifty and are striving for that is is an impressive standard already. So, I mean, moving on to sort of big picture, looking into the future, can you tell us about the future plans of SolarWorks and whether there's a possibility of expanding into other markets or whether there's you know discussions of, of future projects? Yeah, so look, um, we want to stay in Southern Africa. It would be very you know, easy to have an ambition to do it beyond that, but it has to do a little bit with, you know, we want to be financially sustainable. And and every time we look at, you know, should we go maybe to other parts of Africa or the world, we we just, you know, the the risk of that going wrong and then basically take the whole company down is just too big for us. So we we try to do it all in one region so we can exchange people and even, even stock. So we're opening a third country. The planning was uh, next year, but I think it will now be 2022 because of the the current situation that also is is hitting us. So you just need to, I guess, postpone until you can afford it, expanding. But we will definitely expand the third and the fourth country in the coming years. I think the trend for us is also towards services, which those ones are going to be. I don't know. Everybody's always talking about insurances, for example, could be education. I think there's opportunities there. Internet. We, we're not sure yet there what we're going to do. 
what we are sure and what we are preparing is uh, productive use. So we're going to look very carefully into irrigation systems that uh, where the pump runs on uh, on solar as the energy source and fridges are coming in more you know more focused on small businesses than only what we do now is mainly families say 70% so there we be- definitely see a big opportunity so adding services and, and bigger products and expansion into to other countries excellent that sounds like an exciting plan Finally, I wanted to sort of end on a note of prediction. And I was curious to get your, what you expect to see in the African solar sector in the next decade and sort of what's, what's your vision? What's sort of the big vision for how the, the market will change in, let's say, by 2030? Yeah, look, I mean, if I would limit to, let's say, our sector, so the off-grid sector where you provide you know, systems to either small businesses and families. So I'm not talking about the big plans. I'm just not too too familiar with, with that sector. What, what is for sure is that the coming 10 years, the, the addition of grid connections, so, you know, the normal electricity grid is it's, it's not going to be the solution on its own. So there is still a massive opportunity for, especially in rural areas, for systems like the ones we are offering. And I think it will only get bigger and bigger. We, we, everybody in our sector has difficulties making sure that everybody pays. I think that will be the big priority for the coming three years. And, and I'm also convinced every everybody will in the end get it right. Because you know, if you look at our, our portfolio, I mean, I think 80% of our customers are really good customers. They pay, they might miss a month here or there because of circumstances, but they are good customers but it needs to be higher. So we will get it right. And then I think in our sector, at least, there will be a consolidation. So I really expect takeovers. You know, you need volume for this business. And apart from that, you've got companies now that do everything, right? We used to do that as well, but we we don't anymore. It is too capital intensive, at least for us. It's product, product development, own IT systems, uh, pay-as-you-go systems in the background, uh, everything done, distribution, everything done by the same company. That's already happening. You know, that vertical integration is, is, is slowly but surely changing. It's more we'll focus on one part in the value chain. And yeah, and second, like I said, I think I think we'll see a consolidation takeovers maybe, you know, mm-hmm. in the end, in, a, a family spends easily $10 a month on a, on energy at the moment, before we are even coming in, let's say five to ten dollars. That's for a lot of families more than what they're spending on mobile airtime, right? On mobile phone credits. So the market as such is massive. So there will be new entrants, big companies that are going to it's already happening a little bit, but there will be more, I think, that are probably thinking, hmm, am I going to do this from scratch? Or am I going to maybe team up with an existing operation. I think that will definitely, I don't think in 10 years from now, Lucas, we we will see so many companies that have operations in two or three countries or or four. Most of them, I think, will be part of a larger organization. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's an interesting interesting, uh, perspective. And, I mean, on a very final note, 
I'm wondering if you had any any sort of last words that you wanted to send to our listeners, and, and I mean especially those who might be listening and might be interested in in investing or in setting up a solo project in Africa. And, and if you have any sort of words of wisdom from your your decade plus experience there. Look, in my experience, if you, uh, the opportunities are massive, at least in Africa, uh, that's the, the continent I know best. And if you go to investors, it's you know it's always I wouldn't say the same, but a lot of focus is on the financials, on the the risks and the exchange risk, and people not your customers not paying. What are you going to do? But if I would say what has been for us at least the key thing why certain things have gone right was. We've put so much effort in developing our own people. You know, the, our current HR director started uh, in the call center in Mozambique. Uh, the lady that's running the, the whole call center, in, which is now more than 30, 40 people, she used to work in the shop. In fact, she, used to, she started cleaning the floors. And that, I think, you know, has, has done so much for us. Um, in addition to the normal controls and, and systems that you need to set up, I would say that that deserves a lot of attention from, from anybody that wants to go there to, from the start, develop your own people instead of just hiring here and there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, thank, thanks, Arnett. I've, I've appreciated this talk, and it's been insightful for me to, to hear about your experience, and I'm sure our listeners have also enjoyed it. So um, yeah, just want to wish you luck for future projects and I hope that we can speak again. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, goodbye. Cheers. Many emerging markets are outpacing developed markets in terms of solar scale-up, while other attractive markets still lack capital and infrastructure for large-scale deployment. Solar Power Europe's Emerging Markets Workstream identifies business and cooperation opportunities in emerging markets outside of Europe, with the aim of contributing to energy transitions around the world. Get Invest is a European program supported by the European Union, Germany, Sweden, the Netherlands, and Austria, which supports investments in decentralized renewable energy projects. It targets private sector business and project developers, financiers, and regulators to build sustainable energy markets. Learn more at www.get-invest.eu. Thanks for listening, and until next time, shine on.